Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on Article 5 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe. I'm joined by my friends, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Ricky. All right. We continue to talk about the Augsburg Confession, but this time around, we're getting into our Bible study episodes. Yay! Yeah, and, yes. and interesting, I don't think we mentioned this in the previous two episodes, this article actually does not come from the Apology. The Apology mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. not have an Article 5. It skips mm-hmm. right from justification to the new obedience, mm-hmm. which is our next topic. You know what else we haven't mentioned for two episodes? Yeah. Vocation. 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 Way to be. <laughs> Holy cow. How do we God do that? Forgive us. How do yes. we not talk about vocation with the Office of the Ministry? Well, we <laughs> did. We just didn't use the word vocation, but we did talk right. about vocation right. quite a bit, actually, especially in regard to ministry yeah. and that it's not dependent Yep. upon us. We have yeah. failed ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll redeem it this, this episode. Just say yeah. vocation every 10 words. Right. Because we are talking about an Old Testament prophet's vocation. vocation, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we're not talking about his vocation as a prophet. We're talking about his vocation as a Christian, especially mm-hmm. receiving the good news of the gospel through the means of grace. Yes. This is the theme of Amen. the, yeah. the day. And yep. uh, yeah, mediated, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mediated grace. Mm-hmm. Ooh, like it. Yeah, so we're talking today about uh, 1 Kings 19, uh, verses 9 through 18. It's kind of a longer passage of scripture, but I'll just read it for us, um, talking about Elijah. Um, and so, all right, I'll just read it, and then we'll go from there. Um, it says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces in the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall, shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. 
Amen. Now you want to. Now you know why I wanted you to go to verse eighteen. It wasn't about the seven thousand above. Right, to read the names. Right? I just want to make yeah. sure you read the names <laughs> online. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't completely butcher it. I don't no, think. No. Yeah. <laughs> so this works so perfectly for the discussion of the gifts of the ministry, which is what right. Article Five is about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I misspoke at the office of the ministry. Right. But it is the tools that God has given us as our at our disposal for the benefit of those we have been called to. Mm-hmm. It's the gospel, the word, mm-hmm. and the sacrament. So it includes pastors, but prophets includes pastors, includes prophets, includes all all Christians. Remember mm-hmm, right. that uh, that have in, the word in, on their lips. That yeah. have their word on their lips, and even in emergency situations, mm-hmm. uh, can administer the sacraments when necessary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but consider the context leading up to this. Mm-hmm. That uh, especially for those who place a high premium on experience, mm. what Elijah goes through in these. 10 verses or so uh, is exactly what we were trying to talk about as compassionately and patiently as possible the last two episodes. Because if anyone would have had a literal mountaintop experience, (laughs) it's Elijah on on Mount Carmel defeating the 400 prophets of Baal. Right. Uh, I mean... Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you put to shame the the false prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you thumb your nose at the wicked king and his <laughs> atrocious wife. Yeah. God, beyond the shadow of a doubt, works in front of the people so that they know who you stand for. Yeah. And what does Elijah do after chapter eighteen? Is he tucks tail and runs, mm-hmm. and he's moping. Mm-hmm. And and for those of you who you know say you know I. I have comfort in my conversion experience. It was this dramatic, great experience. Again, praise God for that. But more often than not, there is a Mm -hmm. discouraging experience that will follow either immediately afterwards or later in life that will negate what you have gone through just as here with Elijah Mm -hmm. going from Mount Carmel to uh, where he is on this mountain where God has to speak to him and, and, and basically relieve him of his ministry because he's so discouraged. Mm-hmm. I've known pastors that have really yeah, resonated right. with this section too, where yep. they might have a really successful ministry or some successful whatever they mm-hmm. did. And all of a sudden when it's over, it's just like, oh, I just want mm-hmm. to get, I, I don't know if that's just a straight attack from mm-hmm. from Satan or it's we put too much weight in success or whatever mm-hmm. it is but you're right Jason it's easy to to kind of I don't know put our hope mm-hmm. in things that aren't really uh, founded on the on the justification that comes mm-hmm. through um, the promise of the Messiah for for Elijah but yeah. the, but the revelation of the Messiah Jesus Christ for us so yeah and you know starting out what we want to point out as as kind of the context of this passage is that both in this passage and immediately before the passage, Elijah was sustained by means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is Good. the importance. And so Elijah runs into the wilderness and God feeds Elijah, which there's there's some symbolic reality going on there. Mm-hmm. But as God feeds Elijah, the the bread or the meat doesn't magically appear next to him on the rock. It's brought by means of the crows. The mm-hmm. birds bring mm-hmm. it to him. And then... Uh, the the preached word of God from the mouth of God himself. Mm-hmm. And really what's going to take up the bulk of our conversation today is how we interact with 
the God was not in the earthquake, God mm-hmm. was not in the wind, God was not in the fire, mm-hmm. but God was in the still small voice. And in the way we normally hear that preached, at least in the American context, is that is that word that God speaks right into your ear. Mm-hmm. But what we miss, and I'm going to thank my friend, Pastor Nick Schultz, for doing this. I'm stealing, this, out. stealing this directly from him. The, the whisper is external. Mm-hmm. It's an audible voice. It's, it's not a dramatic voice, mm-hmm. but it is an audible external. And so we are not allowed to co-opt what happens to Elijah for the enthusiasm of our sinful nature. Uh, explain enthusiasm because I know that you're using it as a theological term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not a gung-ho attitude. <laughs> That's not enthusiasm. Yeah. Enthusiasm right. is this... Uh, this theological belief that we don't need the means of grace for yeah. God to minister to it's us, that un- he works directly on it's us. It's an unmediated delivery mm-hmm. right. uh, of the gospel. And we, we learned very quickly, and it's it's um, continually rem- rem- Scripture continually reminds us all throughout the Old and New Testament that God's grace is mediated, mm-hmm. mediated by God himself, the Holy Spirit, and for us, the Word of God and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I think if people would take the time to read through the Book of Concord and examine uh, the the documents and the statements, one of the hardest places to wrestle with what Lutherans confess would be in the section on the small called articles, which we'll be covering next, on enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And Luther writes the sentence that says, God does not want to deal with you apart from the word and sacraments. And that is as direct of a statement you're going to find in the Book of Concord. And I think probably the statement in the Book of Concord that American Christians would struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. I think so. There's certain denominations that probably tend toward that. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, where, where do you think that comes from? Is it is it kind of like a feeling of wanting to be like extra special or have kind of like what happened in yeah. the Church of Corinth where they're trying to prioritize certain super spiritual gifts right. versus others? Or where it's, do you think that comes it's, from? It's more exciting. It's, it's, uh, it, it has a, sometimes carries with it the sense of, wow, this is where I'm, I'm amazing that the Lord is speaking to me. Maybe there's a little bit of that too going on. I think, there's, there's probably more. I think the theological reality from my perspective is that because of our sinful natures, because of our idolatry of self, we are always looking for an opportunity to insert ourselves into the equation. Amen. I think it, oh, yeah. it, what it always boils down is, you know, if you think about all of the well-intentioned altar calls that have been given over the last 250 years in America since Mm -hmm. the Great Awakening, uh, that allows me, either subtly or not so subtly, to base my faith on my decision, on something that I have done, rather than on something Mm -hmm. that God does for me. It's it's, Yeah, or I brought something to the table or had something to do with it. It's it's really uh, anathema. It's really accursed to who we are as people that we are wholly and completely dead and incapable mm-hmm. of any mm-hmm. sort of contribution to salvation on and, our own. And we take the Apostle Paul's word uh, in a literal sense that y- mm-hmm. you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, yep. we were. Yep. So we go from that uh, to Elijah's experience with experience and God working on Elijah externally mm-hmm. Through the preaching of the gospel, 
And, and that's what we have. God isn't in the dramatic experience. God is in the external voice, the external word. And what he, uh, what he tells Elijah is that gospel nugget of truth that he can cling to. And in, in this case, Elijah says, you've strung me out to dry God. Uh, I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And, and the gospel promise that God gives to Elijah is, mm-hmm. I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee yeah, to Baal. Right. You are not the only one. The gospel does not die. The church does not die, even though all this is happening well before Matthew 16. And God preaches the gospel mm-hmm. to us in the way that our spirit, our being, however you want to say it, I'm, I'm lacking the words, yeah. will be most comforted. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how the Lord, even before that, led up to that verse 13, how it says, there came a voice to him, like you've been saying, this audible outside of Elijah voice um, saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? Oh. There, There's like a, a little bit of gracious rebuke going on there of uh, trying to expose what is burdening Elijah in this instant. It, it really provides Elijah and those of us who are reading it after the fact, of course, an opportunity for introspection and self-examination. And, and we would remember in this case that the definition of repentance is contrition mm-hmm. and faith. And in any circumstance, when we're struggling with our faith, what God is trying to elicit out of us is repentance. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Elijah is coming and he's, he's kind of moping. He's yeah. discouraged. And in this question, what are you doing, Elijah? Or what are you doing here, Elijah? Is that opportunity for introspection? And, and mm-hmm. we ask ourselves the question when we're moping and we're having a pity party before God mm-hmm. and, and we're coming from a, a, a gigantic spiritual victory in our own eyes only to be crashed to reality. And when I've preached this passage, I preached on it a couple of times. I always compare it with the experience of the high school student going from Bible camp back to the real world. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been at an effective Bible camp, yeah. you're, you're renewed in your zeal for God. You're on fire for the Lord. You're going to come back. You're going to evangelize all your friends and the entire world will be converted by the time you're done. And like Tuesday after camp, it's like, oh wait, no one cares that I went to camp Mm -hmm. and I'm not able to duplicate that feeling of zeal Mm -hmm. in my life when I got to get up and, you know, let's face it, the jobs we had when we were in high school, (laughs) that's kind of the definition of drudgery for most people, right? You got to, you got to will yourself to get up and go to the, the retail establishment you're working for or whatever the Mm -hmm. case might be. And you ask yourself, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Or you, you show up in church and you ask yourself, what am I doing here? If, if Elijah was really giving up, it was really not worth it, why was he still willing to appear before the Lord? Mm-hmm. And it's because he knew the grace and the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And in the end, that question forces him to mm-hmm. confess, yep. I need you, Lord. Mm-hmm. I need you. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a great insight, Brett. It's a, it's an opportunity for repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I don't think this is too much of a stretch. I think that we can embrace this and, and kind of painting off what you're talking about. It's also understanding that even though we're Christians, we, we will experience depression in some way, shape or form. Yeah, right. Yep. And, you know, yep. that, that's really mm-hmm. kind of what he's 
feeling because the angel mm-hmm. twice wakes him up to even eat. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's like, the journey's too great for you. You got you got to eat. And so God cares about mm-hmm. those things. And yeah. um, and we just have to understand that this is going to happen. And, you know, this is an extraordinary mm-hmm. event that we're probably never going to experience in our own lives. But this is part of the body of Christ where we are to bear one another's burdens. And again, that's also how God, you know, uses his word and sacraments for the people that are part of our congregation to help one another out through these times. And that's part of our vocation. I mean, that's loving your neighbor as yourself. And I think that that's a part of that because, yes, all of this grace and mercy and how God speaks to us is all mediated and he provides the means that speak to us. But then there's also the responsibility and the call that we have as priesthood of all believers and ambassadors mm-hmm. for Jesus Christ to, to be there and available for those who might need it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's really good to point out that this is not a paradigmatic experience for all Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, one of the other things we do as Christians constantly is we are addicted to make something that is descriptive into something that is prescriptive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are still some principles we pull out of this and, and to, to the extent that God addresses Elijah and his depression, Brian, I think you do well to point out that God cares about that, Absolutely. that God is faithful. Yeah. And yeah, the message is you are not alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and really the message for mm-hmm. us to be preaching as pastors to those listening is if you come from a Christian tradition or you come from a confession of faith where the your faith is defined by the sincerity of your belief mm-hmm. or your lack of doubt, this passage should completely tear you to pieces. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, repeatedly, and especially in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament, we see the people of God doubting. Mm -hmm. It happens with David. It happens here with Elijah. uh, It happens with Moses. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times in Exodus did Moses cry out to God, why are you doing this to me? Especially after his experience where he tried to have God not send him mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. God sends someone else. God sends someone else. Yep. And God sends him anyway. And he has to go through the rebellion of the Israelites time and time and time <laughs> again in the wilderness. Yeah. But in... It, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, in the American church, we make the measure of our faith based off of our sincerity and our lack mm-hmm. of doubt. And that is poison and it is bondage. Mm-hmm. And and also we sometimes attach it to how successful, air quotes, we are as pastors or churches. Mm-hmm. And getting back to the Augsburg Confession, talking about where the spirit, wherever he wills to yeah. work. And it's interesting, this passage, it's he, the spirit worked in an amazing way. Yep. And yet it's not about Elijah. It's not about um, how awesome a prophet he was, but the Spirit chose to use him in that moment uh, to do an amazing thing. Well, and, and to that end also, the Spirit chose to work uniquely in the life of the 7,000 believers yeah. who had not yet right. bowed the knee to Baal, that Elijah had no idea they were there, which mm-hmm. seems to lend itself that they had a very ordinary <laughs> day-to-day faith yeah. that you know they weren't, you know, they weren't out seeking martyrdom with Ahab and Jezebel in in the countryside. They were just had a simple faith that yeah. trusted God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fascinating, and I hope you know, listener, that you can somehow allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. You know, this idea that that we see this miraculous occurrence, and I think some of us maybe 
might even feel a little jealous of, of Elijah, like, well, you know, wow, God came and <laughs> spoke to you directly. But don't think that God doesn't do that through his word now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the preserved word of God is is just as much of a miracle mm-hmm. as what we read about in this text in Elijah. And we need to really treasure yeah. that great gift that we have in God's word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And God counts our tossings and turnings. He he keeps every one of our tears in a bottle. In that imagery in the book of Psalms, he cares deeply about our suffering and about our pain because he has made provision, not only for salvation, and that's the most important thing through Christ Jesus, but he has also made provision for his love and for us to be reminded that nothing separates us as believers for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, and think about in all of our miracle chasing that we do, we want the, we want the still small voice. Mm-hmm. We want uh, God to rain down fire on our <laughs> water-soaked altar to yeah. demonstrate that we are his children. Think about the miracles we do have. God speaks his word and creates faith. Mm-hmm. That's that's miraculous. What happens when a person comes to faith at whatever age, whether an infant at baptism yeah. or an adult, that's right. is no less miraculous than the creation of the world in Genesis 1 because mm-hmm. God's word works in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And then think how miraculous baptism is that God speaks his word and we can cling to the water of baptism to know that he has adopted us. And there are how many different promises in the New Testament speaking directly about what baptism does and what its value is mm-hmm. that can give us the assurance that baptism saves. Baptism delivers the salvation that Christ won on the cross. Mm-hmm. And then think about the miracle of Holy Communion that mm. in, with, and under bread and wine that we would receive the forgiveness of our sins based on the promise of God's word. We want all these miracles. And and I always think of that comic strip that people share on Facebook occasionally, where there's the first window is the man praying, God, uh, I want to know your will. Please speak to me. And the second frame of the comic strip is God, God's hand coming out of heaven, holding a Bible. (laughs) <laughs> you know, for for those yep. of us who are desperate to hear God speak, he's given us his word. See, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to say this and to say, make the statement, God just isn't speaking to me while your Bible is closed yeah. is absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and to the extent that you know God is speaking to you, think about how many different passages people read. But and the, they they yeah. receive guidance Absolutely. from a different portion. Absolutely. You know, if you and I, Brian, for a one month period in Brett, if the three of us committed to a devotional plan of let let's just say reading through the book of Luke, that would be pretty easy to get through the book of Luke in one month. You know, mm-hmm. we'd split up a couple of the longer chapters into two readings, uh, and we talked at the end of every day about what we got out of the reading. How many times do you think in a 31-day month, the three of us would arrive at the exact same thing? Twice? Three times? Maybe? Yeah. And, and it would probably be, be because we were trained at the same seminary and mm-hmm. not because of yeah, the same, right. you know, it's like we know what the right answer is for the prodigal son, but right? Way, <laughs> you yeah, know? But I love what you're saying because the Holy Spirit, as he speaks through the Word of God, is mm-hmm. unique. It doesn't mean it changes the yeah. context or the intended meaning right. of the text, we're, we're but it ministers to and, you in yeah. such a personal and unique way because Jesus left the mm-hmm. 99 and went after the one and each one of us who have been saved by Christ Jesus, is the one 
that Jesus pursued. Mm-hmm. And that's no different with the Holy Spirit because that is part of the Father's will because he is our Abba Father and he cares deeply for us. Mm-hmm. And what's the phraseology from Article 5? The Holy Spirit mm-hmm. works whenever and yeah, wherever, wherever he, he might, he or might, he yeah. might, he may. That That's it right there. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the same time, the Holy Spirit isn't acting as this divine free agent mm-hmm. apart from the means that God has established. But when the Holy Spirit works through the means God has established, he's working on each one of us uniquely to deliver the message that God wants us to receive for the creation and then the strengthening of our faith. Hmm. Well, it... Maybe that's a good place to wrap up here. Uh, do you have any verses for us, Brian? I do, and it's just something I've again felt led <laughs> to to read. Uh, I'm not sure. I see what you did there. I'm not sure why. I know, I, and I I don't mean that to be arbitrary. Or sometimes when scripture verses pop into my head, I just I'm just going to attribute it to the Holy Spirit because I'm not near as smart. But I believe that we all need to hear this, and maybe someone needs that's listening to this needs to hear this today. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Mm-hmm. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on Article 5 of the Augsburg Confession about ministry. God bless you and have a great week.